Well, if that, if that isn't love, that's a wonderful um, theme and a wonderful thought. We, we know that the Lord did, the Lord Jesus did everything that he did out of love for us, and we're so very blessed and so grateful that he did that. I've got some thoughts this morning, and I certainly ask that you would keep a prayer in your heart that we might deliver a message that the Lord has for us. And um, I guess if there's going to be a, t- a theme or a title to this topic, it's the it's three words: "How are you?" And when we say "How how are you?" sometimes you just say "How are you?" and it's kind of like you're saying, "Like, don't give me the whole story. Just how are you?" And so, so fine. It's just one word, fine. But um, we can. In our, in, our, in our language, in English, we can say it differently by putting emphasis on different words. So we say, how are you? And so you're kind of asking for a little more of an answer. And this morning, that's my question to you. Um, we're, not, we're not in a question and answer session, but just something to think about as we read a little bit. Um, I've got a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to start out in the Psalms. I'm going to start in uh, Psalm 139. Before I read it, um, I guess when you ask somebody how they are, the reason is because you don't know the answer to that question. Usually you don't really know exactly everything about them. There's a van out there, Brother, uh, Sister Bonnie. Okay. I know Sister Shirley's coming today, so we've been waiting, and we're so glad to have her with us. Um, but when we ask somebody, we don't know how they are, so we, we ask the question, but um, there's different aspects of, of who we are that different people know, certainly. And as, as I'm going to read in the, in the 139th Psalm, the Lord knows everything. Um, I was just reading recently something that said that, they pointed out as I was reading this, they said that, do you know that, do you realize that Google knows more about you than your spouse? Than, in other words, more about you than your spouse knows about you. And what they're saying is like every single keystroke that you do on your computer, there's people collecting that information. And they're not people that are personally interested in you. They're just, the fact is there's just knowledge out there. There's understanding. What they're interested in seeing is what kind of advertisement can we send you of things that you'll buy because you're interested in this thing and we'll send you an ad for that. And uh, it's amazing. The ads that pop up, it's like, oh, wow, I was just shopping for this. How did they know? Well, they know, obviously. Um, But to get back on the topic, the Lord knows. He knows everything. And in the 139th Psalm, I'm going to read just 12 verses here. Beautiful, beautiful scripture. As, um, it says here, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but alo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up unto heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. 
The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. And I'll stop there. So the Lord, the Lord knows everything. He knows everything about us. He knows our comings and our goings. And this psalm, um, I guess we can take it in two different ways. It's a great comfort to us to know that the Lord has is, is, um, got his eye on us, and he's watching us, and he knows our, our every thought, literally. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a comfort to us. Or, I guess, I suppose, in, in even the psalmist makes some kind of reference. He says, you know, where, where shall I flee from thee? Or if we're trying to, for some reason, run away or flee, the Lord, he's saying, the psalmist is saying, but I realize there's no place that I can go to hide from you. And the point of this this morning is just to get to uh, another point of scripture to understand how um, we are, as much as we are independent and the Lord bless us with our own freedom of thought and choice, we are still his, cre- we are still his creation, we are still his sons and daughters, and because he cares about us so much, he's got his eye on us. Um, I, think, I, I think all of us can relate no matter what age we're at, about um, our parents who are watchful over us and careful over us. And um, the famous saying that my parents would say, I've got eyes in the back of my head, is kind of like, how did, you, how did you know I was up to that? And they, you know, that was their answer, I've got eyes in the back of my head. They, just, they care enough to make sure and take the steps necessary to understand where we're at, what we're doing, what we're about. And to some extent, you know, they're, they're successful in that. And the motivation, again, the motivation is out of love. And I, I think that's the most important thing about it. And when we ask the question, how are you, we're asking it out of love and out of concern for your welfare, not out of some just, just curiosity or um, just, uh, just for entertainment's sake, but we're asking out of love. And that's going to bring me to um, another scripture this morning. And let me get to it here just a moment. And I'm going to go to the Book of Mormon in uh, the Book of Moroni and parts of the sixth chapter. Let me just get here. I'm just having to change my phone so it doesn't turn off on me after 30 seconds. But... um, Moroni, the sixth chapter, I'm going to start in the third verse. We're talking about baptism. Certainly, um, as we come into the church, baptism is the step that we take to become a member of the church. And um, again, thinking about the topic of how are you. And he's explaining in, in this chapter in Moroni, and I've said it before, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the book of Moroni is, is um, extra time that Moroni felt like he, he, had op- he had opportunity, he had space, he had time to write more about the church and about serving the Lord and about the doctrine. So he goes into some of the details and some of the ordinances. And he's talking about baptism here, but as we get into it a little bit more, he's talking about a lot more. And it has to do with, again, that question, how are you? In the third verse, it says, And none were received unto baptism, save they took upon them the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. 
So all of you who were baptized, um, I think that was one of the questions that the brother would have asked you at the water's edge, uh, in not so many words, but um, we, t we, we um, baptize you on the condition that you take upon yourself the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. And that's our desire. I think that's the desire of every one of us who are here this morning. And now the fourth verse, and this is the one I want to kind of spend a little time on a little bit. It says, And after they had been received unto baptism and were wrought upon and cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost, they were numbered among the people of the church of Christ, and their names were taken that they might be remembered and nourished by the good word of God to keep them in the right way, to keep them continually watchful unto prayer, relying alone upon the merits of Christ, who was the author and the finisher of their faith. And I'm going to stop there for now. So baptism is the beginning, it's the first step, and it's an important one. And it's a wonderful thing. We're just, we're so thrilled when someone asks for the baptism. We, you know, we, we um, go out of our way to get to the water's edge, and we just celebrate and rejoice with them. We reflect upon our own baptism, the day that we went down to the water's edge, the day that we made that promise, because it's, it's a renewal for all of us, for each and every one of us. But I wanted, I wanted to focus on this fourth verse about the ongoing aspect of it and the responsibility. As, as I'm standing before you this morning um, at this particular point in time, I'm the presiding elder, but all of us in the ministry, we feel the same responsibility. We, we have an accountability to God that we take care of the flock, and it's an important responsibility. As much as the Lord Jesus cleanse you of your sins, even by his death on the cross of Calvary, we want to make sure that you stay in that, in that place, in the same place that you were on the day of your baptism. That's the ideal, that you feel the same joy, the same desire, determination to serve God to the end of your days. So it says their names were taken that they might be remembered and nourished by the good word of God to keep them in the right way. And I'll stop there. So part of what we all need to do, and, I, and when I say we all, I include myself, I include the brothers behind me, as, as well as all of you. We need to be nourished by the good word of God. And that's, to some extent, the, the, uh, um, the extent to which you are nourished is somewhat up to you and very much up to us. How do we nourish you with the word of God? I hope that when you come here on Sunday morning, you're getting some nourishment. It's so important that you get that. But we also want, you know, as we brought the kids to the back, and I saw how eager they were to, to get up and to go back there, um, we teach them about the Lord. We teach them about Jesus and how, about, how, about how much the Lord loves us. We teach them about doing good and, and knowing good from, from evil. And that's one of the thing that's, things that the Word of God does for us today. And I'll get into that a little bit more. But I, I just want to emphasize to you that we try to provide opportunities for you to be nourished by the word of God. And we hope that you would take advantage of as many of those opportunities as you can to keep them in the right way, it says. What is the right way? It's, it's just understanding who the Lord is and, and what his commandments are. And it goes on, to keep them continually watchful unto prayer. Again, prayer. Uh, prayer is a personal thing. Your prayer life um, the days and the hours and the minutes you spend in prayer outside of this room, outside of this, these meetings, 
that's entirely up to you. And I hope and pray that you make time, you make it somewhat of a priority in your life to have prayer, to have personal communion conversation with the Lord. That you can be able, when we, sometimes we hear testimonies of how the Lord has worked in people's lives. Amazing, beautiful, wonderful stories of how the Lord has intervened, provided, taken care of. And all those things are answered prayers. They're, they're, they're your prayers. They're the prayers of your fathers and mothers and your grandparents in some cases. Those prayers do not go unanswered and unheard. The Lord is, is faithful. And I know some of you perhaps um, are still praying for your children. And don't give up because we don't know when the day comes that you know, those who aren't here or aren't here with us, we don't know when the day comes that they'll come through the doors and give themselves to the Lord. But please know that the Lord is hearing your prayers as you continually and relentlessly pray to him. So to keep them continually watchful unto prayer, relying alone upon the merits of Christ, who is the author and the finisher of their faith. To keep us relying alone upon the merits of Christ. Again, um, sometimes as our human nature goes, we can start thinking like, I'm, I'm being a good person. I'm living a good life. Therefore, um, God's going to bring me into his kingdom. Therefore, his blessings are going to pour out upon me. Um, therefore, when I'm sick, he's going to hear my prayer and heal me because I'm living a good life. This says to keep you, to keep you, to keep us relying alone upon the merits of Christ. That's, that's the source of all blessing. That's the source of all goodness is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the source of our salvation. It's his death on the cross of Calvary, his willingness to die for our sins. That's what brings us into his kingdom. And to, to um, keep reminding us of that. As our brothers, I know, many times preach about the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, we want, to, we want to make sure that we keep that in the forefront of our mind because our minds and our thoughts and our opinions can be swayed by so many things, just first and foremost of our own thoughts and of the, the trends of thinking in the world. And today, more than ever, they're not in alignment with what the scriptures teach us. And even um, the fact that we have a spiritual enemy who does not want us to partake of the salvation that Jesus offered to us. Even after we come out of the waters of baptism, we still have an enemy who's still thinking possibly there's some way he might reach us to keep us from fulfilling that promise we made. So again, we want to be nourished by the word of God. We want you to be nourished by it. So if we ask, how are you, in, in, a, in a figurative sense, this morning, if I, if I ask, how are you, I'm not trying to pry into your business. I'm not trying to judge you or anything else like that. We just want to make sure that you're doing well spiritually, that you're, that you're thriving spiritually because we, we are, want you to, to help you to fight that battle with the enemy who again wants to destroy all of us and to keep all of us from reaching our goal. It says, and I'm going to read on a couple of verses here in the, in the sixth chapter of Moroni. It says, And the church did meet together oft to fast and to pray and to speak one with another concerning the welfare of their souls. And again, that's another thing that we do when we meet here. And it's, it's something that we do, and I hope that we do when we fellowship with one another. Um, sometimes we can find ourselves, and I think, I'm sure many of us have experienced this. We might find ourselves meeting or having even someone over to our house or whatever, and getting into a conversation that, that lasts um, 
amazingly longer, hours longer than we thought it would, just talking about the things of God in each other's lives. And it's not like that's the only thing we talk about, but it's a priority. It's important in our lives. It's what we have in common, and it's always a blessing as we get to know each other better. I hope that what we're getting to know each other is about our thoughts and our desires and our, our, our relationship with the Lord. And as, we, as all of us individually share in that relationship, it just kind of melts together in a wonderful communion that we have with the Lord. And it says here, and they did meet together off to partake of bread and wine in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. And again, very important part of what we do here, especially, and that we, we try always to um, bring the congregation to focus upon that as we get into that part of our service. And now I'm going to read the seventh verse, and I, and I kind of put a little bit of a disclaimer on it because we we want you to understand God's love for you. I want to recall you back to Psalm 139 when the Lord says that there's no hiding from him because of his great love for us. It says, And they were strict to observe that there should be no iniquity among them. And whoso was found to commit iniquity, and three witnesses of the church did condemn them before the elders. And if they repented not and confessed not, their names were blotted out, and they were not numbered among the people of Christ. But as often as they repented and sought forgiveness, with real intent, they were forgiven. So I'm taking those two verses together, and I want, again this morning, I want so much that we not take these out of context. Because just taking the seventh verse alone about strict to observe, you know, no iniquity, three witnesses, names were blotted out, it sounds really you know, judgmental, condemning, uh, like we've got these kind of like these Gestapo people looking for you know, wickedness in the church, and that's not what we're looking for at all. We, we think and we're hoping and praying and we're desiring that the preceding verses about meeting together, discussing the welfare of our souls, being reminded of the word of God, his commandments, we're, we're hoping and praying and we know for a fact, and the word of God even tells us in Alma, that the preaching of the word is more effective than anything in bringing people to do good and to seek after that which is good. So it says we're observing that there should be no iniquity among them, and this morning, I want to substitute the word iniquity with a word that I guess my kids use, and I think it's kind of funny, but no sketchiness. Like, if, you're, if there's something in your life that's sketchy, I thought I'd get a, maybe a little giggle out of that. If there's something in your life that's sketchy, if, if, you know, if your Facebook page is sketchy this morning, I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and judge you, but you've got to ask yourself, like, what... What picture are you painting for people? Like, what do you want people to see? How do you want people to define you as a saint of the Most High God? Is that important to you? I hope it is. It's, it's really important that we portray an image of Jesus Christ in our life. And again, you know, I, I have a job. I go to work every day. It's not like I'm, I've got some kind of like, you know, I'm wearing a costume of holiness. It's just who we are, through and through. Who, what kind of a person are we? So when it says strict to observe, there be no iniquity, again, it's a personal choice how you live your life. And, and we can all come in here today and look good, but is there, is there anything in, the, in our lives that's, that's sketchy, that's a little bit iniquitous? As I read in the 139th Psalm, the Lord sees all of it. He, there's like no fooling him. There's no game playing with him. And when the, when the time comes that we um, come to the end of our, our days, 
Brother Chad had a, a great image this morning in his Sunday school lesson. He had this big coil of rope, and I, can't, I couldn't even tell you how long it was. It was all coiled up. But he had the, the first two inches or three inches were painted red, and the rest of it was just this huge mass of rope. And what Brother Chad was pointing out to us is our life on earth, our mortal existence, is just this two or three inches of this rope. And the rest of it is eternity. And of course, he didn't have a rope that was eternal in its length, but, but the, the relative length of the rope to this two inches gives a little, a little hint of eternity. If you, if you think of the last verse of this song, Amazing Grace, when we've been there 10,000 years, try to think of that, try to conceive of 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, it says we've no less days we don't have any less time ahead of us after 10,000 years to sing God's praise than when we've just begun. So, so um, it's so important for us to be the saints of God in our daily lives and to keep that commitment that we made at the water's edge. And it's, it's just our desire as a, as a ministry and in all of our ordained offices, each and every one of us, that we care about you the same way the Lord cares about you. We can't, we can't attain to that, but our desire is toward your welfare spiritually. So this morning, again, as we say, how are you? It's with a desire to help you if there's struggles in your life. And there, there are struggles. We, each and every one of us has struggles with spiritual things, uh, physical, emotional, other kinds of things that we struggle with, that we need the Lord's help with. And we're here, brothers and sisters, to help you with those things. It says here in the ninth verse of Moroni 6, kind of close with this, and their meetings were conducted by the church after the manner of the workings of the Spirit and by the power of the Holy Ghost. For as the power of the Holy Ghost led them, whether to preach or to exhort or to pray or to supplicate or to sing, even so it was done. So our desire, again, as a ministry and as a church is to follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit. This morning, and this is a, a kind of a very basic example, but and it's not always necessarily exactly right. But this morning, as our brother was singing a song, I just thought, oh, how nice it would be if we all sang the, the last chorus again together. And that's just my thought, but our brother was on the same page with that. And as I saw people kind of mouthing the words as he was singing the second verse, it's like, yes, let's sing that together. And, you know, if that isn't love, what would a... What, better message and what better thought to reflect upon uh, the love that allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to, to um, lay down his life, literally lay down his life, to be nailed to the cross of Calvary to take away our sins. And as we are mortal and as we're human and we tend to forget and not always remember, um, he set up his church that we might help each other to, to stay the course and to remind each other and to strengthen each other because we do need one another's prayers and strength, and we draw strength from that. We do need from each other uh, those expressions of the love of God that remind us again of the fact that the Lord loves us more than anyone on this earth possibly could, and that we have, again, his promises that are in the word of God. So brothers and sisters and friends, this morning I just want to encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity to uh, be exposed to the word of God, be exposed to the fellowship of the saints and to stay close you know the, the image has been uh, 
The image has been uh, likened, I guess, to the, the, the fire, the glowing fire. If you take an ember out of it, that little tiny ember by itself will, will lose its glow and will kind of fizzle out. But if, as long as they're all together in that glowing fire, everything's staying hot and fiery and, and burning brightly. And that's what we want. We want the brothers and sisters and the saints of God here to thrive spiritually. And we want to make every way possible. So pray for us as we seek to do that. If you have suggestions, if you think, if you have ideas that might help us all to draw closer spiritually to one another and to the Lord, um, we're open to that. We want to follow the inspiration of the Spirit as it says here in the 6th chapter, the 7th verse. And in the meantime, may God bless you. May he um, allow you to see the need for him in your life to continually pray, to continually seek what the Word of God says, um, to straighten out our, our thoughts and our opinions. Um, the Word of God is the, is the last word for what is right, what is wrong, and, um, and keep ourselves from being sketchy. May God bless you this morning. Our brother asked the question this morning, how are you? Well, that's kind of a trite question, isn't it? We all get that question from time to time, and sometimes it's an icebreaker. Sometimes it's an attempt to dig a little deeper, are they really serious? And he indicated, do you have an hour for an answer, or half hour, or 15 minutes, or five minutes, or are you just being polite? Do you want polite noises? I'm fine. I'm a fine. We used to have a sister-in-law, 93 years old. She was always, I'm a fine. I'm a fine. She was never sick. Everything was fine. But you knew she was sick. You knew she had problems. And so as we go down the trail of life, regardless of our age chronologically, we are exposed to a lot of things in life. Bacteria all around us, cancer like never before, whether it comes from radiation, whether it comes to the TV set, whether it comes to pesticides, it doesn't matter where it comes from, but we have all kinds of variations of cancer today. And you know that my niece is dying with cancer, unless God puts her hand in the matter. But this is what happens. We're exposure. Our exposure is to everything. So I was at doctor's recently. He said, did you take your flu test this year? Well, we take a flu test every year. Are you allergic to this, eggs or whatever, yolks, whatever, whatever it is? You know, we do whatever we have to do to try to protect ourselves and try to be able to be in good health. Coming to church is not just necessarily dealing with our health physiologically, but it deals with our health spiritually. And if we say to our brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you? How do you feel? What are you thinking about? What's troubling you? How much time do you have to go into listening therapy? How is your family? How are your children? How are your offspring? How is life treating you? How is it going in school if it's younger people going to school? How well do you do in your exams? Are you successful? So we, we do have a degree of sincerity in asking these bevy of questions to one another as we go down the trail of life. And we are the family of the Lord, and we do care for one another. And you're part of my family, the extended family. Well, not biologically so, but spiritually so. And so we are concerned about your spiritual welfare above all. But only you can answer that question of how are you doing spiritually, and how well have you grown. If you read the 32nd chapter of Alma, 
it gets pretty deep into that subject of the good word and the good seed being planted. That seed has been planted in all of our lives at one point or another. And the question he proceeds to that scripture and asks, has that seed grown? Is there productivity? And as you go down through life, how well as you look back on your lifespan, I can look back 85 years now, almost 85, I can't remember one year old, but I can look back a long time, and begin to, to uh, evaluate what we've done with our life and how well we have done in every aspect. And I, were, I was blessed along with my wife this weekend because we had the, uh, the memorial service of Gene Biddle, my nephew, that my four children were here. Two of them are here this morning. And I was blessed because my daughter and my three sons and my wife and I, they're our legacy. That's the greatest gift we can give to humanity and to the world. Our young men and women who can pick up the cross of Christ and deliver and be productive in every way, shape, or form. Whether they're doctors or teachers, it's irrelevant what their role is in life, but we all fulfill a role. And we try to do it the best for ability in, in, the, in the objective of serving God in spirit and truth. In the 25th chapter of St. Matthew, is loud and clear, that when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me, and so forth and so on. When we do this, Lord, when you did one of these little ones around here, you've done it to me. And so we're serving God in all of our capacities of life. Every one of us have a role. And our brother indicated, as you read the 139th Psalm, that God knows us before we were born. He knew us and had foreknowledge about where our life is going. Now, we have a choice, because we're made in the image and likes of God, to choose this day whom we may serve. We can serve, and we serve all of humanity in everything we do, and that's fine. But are we serving God in spirit and in truth is the question that only you can answer. And only you will be accountable because you see, in this life I can save nobody's soul but my own. That's my primary concern about Tony Picciuto and where I've been and where I'm going and how I really feel inside about my relationship with the Lord. I don't know about you and your relationship with your wife or your children. I pray it's a great one. We need strong families. We need strong marriages. We need people that hang together and work through thick and through thin. And my wife looks at me and I look at her this morning. We've been together over 61 years. She's not my young bride any longer. And I'm not her young beau any longer. We're now great grandparents. And the years have worn upon us. How do you feel? How do you feel being 85 years old, pushing 86? Well, I feel good, thank God. I thank God that he gives me the ability to speak and to breathe and to walk and to talk and all the faculties that we have mentally, physically, and emotionally, and above all, spiritually, that we can serve the people of God. That's our role as servants of God on this rostrum, to be your servants, to help you to feel better about your relationship with God. That's what it's all about. And we try to get you to think within yourself and examine who you are, where you are right here and now, and where you're going and what your expectation and goal and, and expectation is for hither hereafter. Everybody here believes in eternity, do they not? Let me see the hands of those who believe in eternity. Absolutely. But everybody in this room will have eternal life. 
It's not a question of having eternal life. Everybody will have eternal life. It's a question of where. That's the question. How do you feel about the prospect that you're not going to go to the same place I plan to go? Or your parents plan to go? Or your children plan to go? Or each one of you plan to go? We all expect to be in the paradise of God. Awaiting the morning of the resurrection when this life comes to a close. Because God knows our inner being. He knows our thinking. He knows our background. He knows our future. Take my life and let it be. We sing that beautiful song. We sing a lot of wonderful songs. And all the songs deal with, 85% deal with the hereafter. And so not hereafter, but hereafter. You know, we all have worry about those kinds of things too. But it's okay. It's a good thing to be in the house of God, is it not? That we can relish in the spirit of God and praise God. I was on the reservation a couple weeks ago. And I taught a lesson, and I did an interactive kind of message or sermon. We've done that from time to time, getting the congregation involved in what we're trying to teach or preach. And the lesson was, why are you here? Why are you here? And I got people to tell me why they were here. And who said, I came to pray, I came to worship, I came to... Well, what does that all mean? I came to... To sing, I came to, you know, whatever you know. I came to support one another. I came to share my burdens. I came to dump my sins on each everybody else. I begin to, and we do it in testimony meetings. Sometimes our testimony meetings are therapeutic sessions from where I sit. It's a time to praise God is what it is. Testimony means to witness for Lord. Now, we need to examine what we're doing in testimony, that we're praising God. Because, you know, what you do here. And it is more important to testify outside these walls about the goodness of God, how great God has been in your life. Can you speak to that point? If I asked you to write an essay or a theme, could you fill up the pages of a blue book on how good God has been to you and what your relationship has been with the Lord because God knows who you are and he made you what you are. You know better than what he made and he makes no junk. And so God is good all the time. And so it's imperative for us to reach out in the cosmos and have a relationship with that superhuman being that we call God Almighty. And our brother said, through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's important. The power of the Holy Ghost laid upon hands after reception of the Holy Ghost, after being baptized in the water of regeneration, we ask God to help us to walk with us and talk with us and be with us. And just a whispered prayer as we drive down the highways. I never saw, I thought I, I live in Gold Canyon. In the traffic coming in here this week, because of the Renaissance, I thought I lived in L.A. And I have a son here this morning that works and lives in L.A. I couldn't work there. I couldn't live there. I'm giving it triple my salary. Of course, I'm retired now, so I wouldn't get much more than I'm getting now. But, but it's okay. You see, we just have to ask who we are and what we're doing here, and are we accomplishing the goal that God has for us? That's what it's all about. God knows your heart. That's the beautiful thing. I cannot read your heart this morning, but God knows your heart. He knows if you have a burden. He knows if you, have, you love him. He knows if you're successful and you're serving him. He knows if you're trying to live a double life or triple life. Uh, there are programs like that on television years ago. People live in double, triple lives. Uh, they don't even know their personality. You get 21 personalities or whatever. They're psycho kids or whatever they are. But it, it's beside the point that we are, we are here because we know who we are. You young people know who you are. You're young, and you have a great future ahead of you. But you're still developing, 
And you're asking God to lead me, guide me, shape me, form me, take my hand, lead me down the path of dating, courtship, marriage, and make my marriage solid and firm and, and go on and on and on. We all make mistakes and we all fall short of the glory of God. And that's why our brother's trying to get our attention that we should ask ourselves what we're doing here. Uh, we can't just do plain muddly peg and twiddle our thumbs. We're here that we can get closer to God. And we can. If we just all have one mind and one soul, Jesus promises this, that we're two or three gathered together in my name, in one accord, I will be there. That's what we're looking for. I don't bring down the power of heaven. God brings it forth. Maybe in a song, maybe in a testimony, maybe in a message it comes forward. Do you know who you are? Yes, we know who we are. I thank God that he's given us an identity, and I'm not into identity politics per se, but we are identified as the children of God. We're all God's children. Some are naughty, some are nice. Some are obedient, some are less obedient. God loves everybody in this room. Whether you've made a covenant or not made a covenant, God still loves you. And he said, I would that no man would perish. God doesn't want one soul to be lost. Did you know that? And that means all those in prison, we did our prison ministry, we've done this, we've done that, wherever we've been, it doesn't make no difference. But God is still on his throne, and he's beckoning men and women to come unto him. And if we accept Jesus as our Savior, then we can sing the song, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. Because we're safe wherever we go. It doesn't matter. And if some idiot comes into our car and crashes and we're gone tomorrow, it doesn't matter. It's a win-win situation. And that's what it's all about. You can't live in fear or fret. You have to live by faith. We live here by faith, knowing that by the help of God, we'll get back home. My children are en route right now, two of them on the way home, driving along the highways of danger. We had prayer before they left. That's all we could do. They're in God's hands. The angelic host go before them. Now, we pray they get to their destination and continue on with their life. And we pray that all of you leave here today with a blessing in your heart that you know who you are, you know how you feel, you can answer those questions, and you can ask many more questions. You see, it's a lot easier to ask questions. Having taught school from junior high through junior college, I can ask many more questions than I can answer, believe me. But that's no big, that's not a big thing. Doctors, you go to a doctor for whatever, what does he do? He gives you a quiz right away. How do you feel? Well, he takes maybe your blood pressure, maybe he does a urine sample, maybe he does a blood test, whatever. And uh, where's, where are your aches, where are the pains? Where are the... And so he tries to diagnose what the problem is so he can pick out an alternative solution or a potential solution to that problem. How do you feel today? Well, I don't feel like I felt yesterday. I feel a little bit older than I was yesterday, and I'm beginning to feel my age, Doc. I don't feel, well, what do you expect? And they're going to say, well, for your age, I love that qualifier. For your age, you're doing fine. You're doing great. That's a wonderful qualifier. It's an escape hatch. That's all it is. But it's okay. I, I thank God that I don't feel like I'm 19 anymore. I never feel 19 again. I'll never feel like you young people do this morning. You that first tickling sensation, the first time you held a boy's hand, a boy held your hand, and oh, that was, that was a thrill, that was a thrill, wow, sweaty palms came into play, and all from there you went to dating, oh my gosh, and that first kiss, 16 never missed, or 16, how's it go, 16 and never missed, right, whatever, it's, it's amazing, but once you're married 61 years, that same tickling sensation, Now it's the holding hands, the caress, 
and, and, you know, and just being together is a wonderful thing. It's conjugal love. It's a deeper meaningful relationship. Ask Brother Walt. Ask Sister Carrie. Ask the older brothers and sisters here. They're, the teenage puppy love is gone. Doesn't mean they're not in love yet, but they have a different relationship now. And so God knows that, and God built into our system an understanding of our emotions, our sensitivities, the touch, the feel, the smell, all the things we have that help us to reach out and know each other just a little bit better. Now, at the end of the service, I'm going to have the opportunity to shake most of your hands. I hope I try. I try to every week there when I see you. And, and maybe embrace your whatever. You know, because I love you. I love you. You're part of me. You're part of God's creation. He, he did make junk. He made a brother and sister in Christ. He made something beautiful of our life. And we thank God for that because God is a good God. He is real to us. And therefore, we're here in a real place, at a real time, in a real purpose, that we can serve God in spirit and in truth. And if we do that, everything else is okay. We know the body will go down someday, and, but we know, thank God, it's going to resurrect again. So there's joy in the morning. And we praise God for that. 118.8 says, and it's right written over the door. Somebody put it there. I think Brother Emmett did, somebody else. This is the day the Lord that made. Rejoice and be glad. And may God have his blessing this morning. Just feel good, being safe in the arms of God. May God have his blessing, my prayer.